This is Women With Books, a collection of conversations about your favorite books, media, and all of the fabulous things in life. Curated by me, author Lindsay Emery. I'm so glad you're a part of today's chat. Welcome to day 10,000 of the 2020 COVID-19 quarantine. How are y'all doing? Once again, my family and me, we're doing okay. We're just putting a step in front of the other, one meal, one school assignment, one walk around the neighborhood at a time. Um, one big thing that happened at our house, it's, it's fairly newsworthy, I know you wanna hear it. We gave our dog a haircut for the first time ever. Um, we used to, my husband and I were reminiscing, we used to give our first dog a haircut back when we were very newlywed and very poor, um, and we couldn't afford a groomer. Um, but you know, we started making a little bit more money, we decided to outsource that, but unfortunately I could not get a grooming appointment in Texas while they were still open. So um, our poor dog, was just getting hairier and hairier. He's a giant schnauzer. He has a really thick black coat. Um, so yeah, that was fun. <laughs> uh, he's a big black dog, so he was happier. He is happier now that he's cooler. Um, so we're not really beating ourselves up over the fact that he's a little lopsided. Um, he doesn't care. Uh, our neighbors don't care. He, they're the only ones that see him. So we're all good. Anyway. <laughs> This is this is what uh, qualifies as news these days, right? Um, we officially this week had our trips canceled for this summer, um, and yeah, I that really made me sad. I don't know what to do with myself. Um, I talk about it a lot that I'm a planner. I love planning ahead. I love planning trips, and um, that's one thing the virus has stolen from me. And um, it sounds lame, but you know, I think a lot of us are, are dealing with it. We grieve the little things that we're losing here and there. And um, I've allowed myself to just mope and feel sorry for myself. Um, knowing that one day, um, not that we'll get back to normal, but there will be other opportunities and other um, new horizons to look forward to. But that actually brings me to what we're talking about today on this podcast. It's it's more of a reason to get lost in a book. And like the book that I talk about extensively in this interview with Amy Harmon, um, bless her heart, I, I think she was like, could we stop talking about this book? No, I emailed you, Amy, for a reason. I wanted to talk about this book, Where the Lost Wander. Uh, and is a note, <laughs> we recorded our conversation in two parts. The first time we talked, we had ex some pretty bad internet connectivity issues, uh, probably due to the earthquake in Utah that had just happened. So I just, a lot of times when I can't record a good interview, I just say, hey, let's time out. Let's put a kibosh on this for a while. Uh, we, we, re we paused, we regrouped, we rescheduled. And uh, thankfully, we didn't have much on our schedules these days. <laughs> and then we came back for round two of the interview. And I decided to keep that in. You'll hear the break around 15 minutes. Um, 
And I did that for a reason. I could have edited it to make it sound like it was all one conversation, but I was inspired. I wanted to keep uh, this in to show our pioneer spirit, you know, Um, to show future historians what it was like trying to do a podcast around the, in the COVID-19 quarantine era, you know, the hardships we had to endure, our internet went down because of earthquakes. <laughs> I'm laughing because, God, if, if I listened to this six months ago, my six-month past self would be thinking I was really losing it. Anyway, in this interview, you can see what's been on my mind a lot recently. There's been a new kind of survival... I've been thinking about homesteading, Um, you know, do we have enough meat and eggs? And reading Amy's book during this time, which is about, the book is about a family on the wagon trail in the 1850s. Um, The wagon trail, of course, for the non-American listeners being like the way that pioneers settled our country, going from the East Coast to the West Coast. It was so impactful for me to read this book at this time. Not only is it a great, great book, I could not put it down, but it was a great book for me at the right time, which is a gift that we don't get very often, right? Like just something that just perfectly pegs into where we are in our lives and something we need to process and something we need to think about. But um, it was a gift for me, and I'm so glad I now get to share the book and this fascinating conversation with a thoughtful and talented author with you. Welcome to Women With Books. I'd love to welcome our esteemed guest today, Ms. Amy Harmon. How are you doing today, Amy? I am so good. It's so nice to be here and just talk books. <laughs> I'll be releasing this episode uh, when your book comes out, which is April 28th. Is that right? Yes, yes. But we're recording this in the midst of the early days of the COVID-19 self-isolation drama. So um, Amy and I might be touching a little bit (laughs) about what's going on in our lives um, because it's kind of infiltrating everything. Um, But you were talking about how nice it is to be talking about books. And I I have noticed on social media, like so many people saying, oh, what's good to read? What are you reading? Let me have recommendations for you. So I think this is the perfect time for us to be talking about it. Right. And, And throughout history, you know, when things get bad, you can always rely on books. You know, mm. you can always rely on that escape and 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 the perspective that comes when you read because you realize that, you know, things have been bad before and things will be bad again and that we can learn a lot um, through these experiences. And it's great fodder to write with. So we have to look at it that way. These are all experiences and um, that we can that we can use in our writing. I love that. Well, the first time um, you were brought to my attention as an author was the very first season of this show. I had someone by the name of Penny Reed on uh, the podcast, and she recommended 
like all of your books. Like seriously, I went back and looked at the thing and I was like, what books do you love? And she started listing off, like, I think she lists off four or five Amy Harmon books. And she's like, you know what? Just all the Amy Harmon books, all the Amy Harmon books. (laughs) So I actually put that in. You guys are friends. We, we are. I actually, we met at a, an an event when she was promoting her very first Neanderthal Seeks Human. And she had already read several of mine and we were in an elevator together and she fangirled and it was the most wonderful thing that had ever happened to me because, you know, that does, it just doesn't happen, you know, that somebody is really excited to meet you. And then I found out she was an author as well. And I read her books after that, but um, yes. So ever since then, you know, and her star has risen rapidly. Uh, she's delightful and, and such a great smart writer, but, uh, yeah, we're friends now. So that's a fun thing that we can, that we not only appreciate each other as humans, but uh, as writers. I love that because I think just as barely getting to know Penny as I have and just talking with you and knowing your books, I can kind of see where some of the interests overlie and um, <laughs> overlap. Mm-hmm. And you have 15 books I counted up. Is that correct? Yes, 15. 15 um, with well, the I next just finished. One? With okay. this, the one that's releasing, I actually just finished. I just got through a deadline uh, a week and a half ago of a, of the one, of a book that's not going to be out until March of next year. So I have written sixteen, um, wow. but one's a ways off. And um, I want to. I'm going to get into a lot of the books, but I don't think I can stop myself anymore. Sure. I want to talk about your <laughs> April 2020 release, "Where yes. the Lost Wander," and I've already gotten to read a copy thanks to your publisher on um, NetGalley, and I just I loved it so much, Amy. It was oh, so glad. It completely sucked me in. I am a sucker for American history. Um, it's not really necessarily the most popular time no, to write about right no. now, which I can't believe because I'm also, and I don't know about you, but I am also a part of what they call the Oregon Trail generation. Oh, oh <laughs> yes. The game. The game. <laughs> yes. Every, that's that's all how we all relate to uh, the Oregon Trail is through the, the game that we once played as kids. Yes. I'm part but of the Oregon like Trail. It's like you took... Yes, and it's like you took that game and you made it like 4D and yes. you made me cry and you elaborated and made this beautiful, even though it's not officially, they're not officially on the Oregon Trail, but we'll get into that. Um, and you made me cry and I was just completely wrapped up in the story and I just, I, I've been haunted by it and not haunted in a bad way, but haunted, like I just keep thinking of this stuff because what's funny is that all these, I have I have two kids, and a lot of times, like when they complain or whine about something, I also go back to Little House on the Prairie a lot. That was formative in my youth. And I'll be like, you know what? Kids on the right. Prairie used to have to do blah, 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 and you're complaining about taking the trash out. So now I have something else to exactly. like, throw in their face. <laughs> so can you tell us about it? Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, my publisher, yeah, my publisher, when I presented the idea to her um she my editor at my publisher she was like i I love it it's not as commercial as my last as um the time slip yeah uh, what the wind knows which is irish irish right so she says i don't know if the the time period is as commercial because again american history and especially 
pioneers, 1850s. It's it isn't as you know glam or it. I don't know. It's not it's not a war book. I don't know what it is about about certain periods, but they definitely are more draw. And you don't see you don't see a lot of books that are written in this time period. But I was I had I have some family history. Um, John Lowry is actually the name of my of my husband's five times great grandfather, and he was half Pawnee, uh, half Pawnee Indian. For those that are following, listening, it's Pawnee, um, and and his story was very interesting to me. And when my husband started learning more about his family history, that's actually when I thought, you know, this this character is growing in me, even though I had to fictionalized so so much because we we only know so much about our, our ancestors but he, he that was the spark that really lit my fire with this book and I thought there is a wonderful story here and if I can just kind of overcome my own fear of the time period and of, of the book failing you you can't ever go into a book with the I the idea mm. that oh you know I what about what do my readers want I I try to shy away from that because I think that that's a recipe for disaster. I think you always have to do what calls to you as a writer because that's that's if you fall in love with it, your readers will, will fall in love with it. So I just I went forward and what a journey it was. I mean, journey that they were on, but I a journey that I went on with them. It was just uh, the most emotional book that I've ever written. And it was surprising because I've written about some really heavy topics, but for some reason, just the elements and the elemental nature of, of the struggle, the very simple day-to-day struggle of the people in my story of John and Naomi and her family, and also just the Native American story uh, and and the, the, the story of, of the settlement and going west and all of it that the mixture is is tragic and yet triumphant and all of those things mixed together and it just ended up being really an emotional tell for me cried throughout the last several chapters where i just thought get a hold of yourself you know but it was very it was very emotional and i i think it will be for my reader and i think it will surprise people um um, how gripping the story is really from the beginning. It's not it's not a sleepy pioneer story. Well, the book kind of opens up with a very exciting scene and then it takes you back to explain like kind of where they got there. And so you are kind of, I at least for me as a reader, I was going as fast <laughs> as I could. And it, it really led to this, this feeling of like, oh my gosh, disaster is going to strike at any minute. Is she going right. to do it here? Is she going to yes. do it here? Yes. Is she going to do it here? Uh, yes. <laughs> which kind of remind me of your, um, the last book, What the Wind mm-hmm. with Windows, yes. is that the one? Because that one was a time yes. slip book. And so you knew someone had someone had gone back to time, but you didn't know how they were going to get back or when they were going to get back. So it kind of had that yes. same very, very quiet, very um, subtle engine mm-hmm. that just kept me flipping yes. the pages. So um, so for those of you that are like, oh, I don't want to read a story that's like 18 months on the trail. No, it's <laughs> she uh, this book doesn't just like, oh, and then on day 120, yes. we did this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's constantly moving. Yeah. Um, and like you said, it's heavy, but I also felt like 
And, and when you said that, I was like, you know what, you're right. But I think because your protagonists are such, I don't know, would you call them optimists or just, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, such they, optimistic they have, people. They are very, they have a very can do attitude. And, and I do think when I read Pioneer Journals, uh, which I read a lot of, I actually have family that had left Pioneer Journals, which was great because I was able to follow day to day what it was like. Um, and of course, they never include uh, include as much as you want. Um, but I think that was an attitude of, of many of the people that went West. I imagine, you know, if it was like it is today and we had all the information that we could all spread around about how bad things were on the trail, we would nobody would have ever gone West because they would have been so scared <laughs> of the whole face everybody would have been like oh well i've heard this you better not do this and everybody would have just hunkered down in their homes and they would have been you know cholera was was a a pretty ugly disease it killed lots of people you know every family was affected by that And, and i'm not making light of what's happening now but just the idea that 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 kind of can do i'm gonna do this i don't Maybe it's ignorance. A lot of it was probably ignorance, but boy, are we glad that people were, you know, <laughs> right. had, had the faith and the fortitude to just set out and say, we're going to do this Yeah. because, you know, today I worry that we, we scare ourselves and each other so much that, oh. that, that it makes it really hard to move forward in life. You know, just um, a few days ago, they were posting pictures online of, you know, the the crowds at O'Hare and Dallas-Fort Worth and mm-hmm. um, just trying to get back in the country and they couldn't because of, and like I saw one of those pictures and I felt panicked. I, I hate, I really don't like sure. crowds very much. And the mm-hmm. thought of crowds at the end of a transatlantic flight and not knowing when, <sighs> you know, trying to get back to your family and like feeling like everyone has a virus, um, I, mm-hmm. I had to shut down all those pictures because I'm like I right. no way no way I'm not going anywhere and you're exactly right if yes. there had been selfies next to scalps and cholera <laughs> um, yes. Oregon would still yeah. be very unhabitated. <laughs> yes, it would. We would we would all be too afraid to go forth. And I so I, yeah, it's it's a different it's a it's a really different world now, and and our challenges will be different. But uh, boy, I'm glad that that didn't exist for them because. <laughs> they never would have went west. Um, I want to talk about some of the lessons from the pioneers yes. <laughs> that you've learned yes. and stuff. So whatever comes up. Okay. Um, so to the audience, I, I'm going to explain this in the the intro, Amy. Okay. Um, that we've been disconnected and reconnected and that, again, this brings me back to your book, Where the Lost Wander. Um, because the hardships we're facing in March 2020 were nothing compared to what people on the wagon trails had to face. Right. Nothing. <laughs> and so before I hit record, you and I were talking about, you know, grocery shopping and, and getting supplies and stuff. And I don't know. Do you think that uh, And I said something kind of flippant, but I do think it's true. I said the pioneer woman in me wants to stock my pantry and wants to get yes. all the necessities. I even did a sourdough starter. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that's like in our cultural DNA, you know, in, a, in the United States? Or do you think that's like a universal thing? I think it's in our 
by our DNA period. I think yeah. there's something very biological uh, that's imprinted over, you know, how many millennia or whatever that we've been, that we've been on the planet, that the, the need to um, prepare and to nest and all of those things, um, you know, I mean, it's a survival thing. So I, I do think it is part of who we are and, and, and that is good, good in many ways and ugly. We've seen that we've seen the good and the ugly, um, in that need to, you know, to survive and to provide that, that people, you know, buy, buy more than they could possibly need. And, um, so it, you know, it goes both ways. Yeah, I actually shared some sourdough starter with my neighbor because, again, this is a very mm -hmm. me thing to do. I'm like, I made this, and now I'm going to share it with you. <laughs> yes. But my neighbor has chickens, so this is very pint. We are homesteading. Yes. She shares yes. eggs with me. I'm sharing sourdough starter with her. And um, actually, it was her son that came over, and he's like, now, what do I do with this? What do I do? How do I yeah. do it? And I'm like, yes. well, you know. And so I'm giving him instructions, and he's feeling very nervous. And I said, look, people like carried this across continents. You can't kill it. You'll be fine. <laughs> oh, you know, what and what great lessons, you know, things that we that we didn't even think about talking to our kids about or ways that we can um, you know, we can include history into the into, into the discussion. It's really kind of fascinating right now and I we've had lots of interesting. I have four kids. Lots of interesting discussions. Um, in this last few weeks uh, that, you know, things that just didn't come up before. And mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I think that they're getting an education in, mm -hmm. in ways that they're, we couldn't possibly drill things home the way that we're able to do that now and really make yeah. history come alive the way we're able to do that now. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I haven't been <laughs> until now a homeschooler, Yeah. but you know, I'm going, I'm teaching, we, we did the sourdough starter together. I taught my daughter how to mm -hmm. make biscuits with it. You know, they're, they're, cause they're bored. So they're coming in the kitchen sure. and like, Hey, we're cooking stuff from scratch. So, you know, you know, here yeah. we go. And, yes. um, you know, I, I, I feel real connection to our ancestors that way. It's very yes. interesting. Yeah. So when I first started reading, the book it you know it's in first person present right yes so I immediately felt connected to the characters but I also was immediately reminded of the pioneer art of journaling and keeping yes. journals and diaries and things and I think you referenced that before um in our last conversation yeah about um, how you referenced those when you were preparing for this book um were there any in particular that you read or any from your family that you can particularly yes. relied upon? Yes. My, um, my husband's five times great grandfather, his name was Appleton Milo, quite the name Appleton Milo Harmon. Oh, great and name. yes. And he crossed, I think five times back and forth as he was a young man, um, newly married the first time he crossed. And then he went back for, to help others cross. Um, he, he was a good journaler and, um, several generations ago, um, a family member compiled everything and had it bound. And so now so many of us that are in that lineage or in that, uh, you know, family group, which is now enormous think as you look back five generations, you know, sure. it, it has really grown the Harmon line, but 
Um, I had I had his journal and read it several times through it. Um, and he, the funny thing is that, and and women's compilations. There's lots of um, Oregon Trail compilations that people have put together that are many families or many journals. And so um, that's always interesting because everybody's take is just a tiny bit different. Um, there are com definitely common threads, but even our memories are, are faulty too, you know, where they're at. And I was amazed a lot of times with how well they remembered um, and mm -hmm. how well they were able to, to describe and how, you know, what a good idea they really did have of where they were at. I, I would be lost. I, I mean, I would, that would not be my job to keep track of everybody. And we would be wandering up into Canada if, it, if I would have been <laughs> the one in charge. I just, it wouldn't, we wouldn't have gotten there. I'm not great with directions, but it was, it was really interesting um, reading the family account. And of course, the account from a men's, man's point of view, um, the things he worried about um, were different which was kind of what we talked about earlier. And then, you know, the women's point of view, and, and there were definitely people that were more positive and focused on um, the positive and th then others that were just, you know, miserable from, from the get-go and really suffered. Yeah, well, speaking of directions, I, I'm generally a very good directions person, mm -hmm. but this, your book made me <laughs> very anxious <laughs> yes. for a lot of reasons in a lot of places, but there were parts where it was like, go past that tree and take go past the rocks and and they were just telling their kids that you yes. know their their preteen sons and or their yes. teenage sons and they're like okay we'll catch up with you in a few days if you follow these directions and i'm like oh my gosh i don't know about you amy that. but my kids if i had told them <sighs> go past a tree and then some rocks and find us i mean <laughs> no it was when you read stuff like that and and there were there's so many instances of that where they just they the children really had to, or they all had to, but the children really had to grow up quickly because mm. they just didn't have the luxury of coddling them at all. It, they just couldn't. It was, it wasn't possible. And, and so, so often um, it was like that. And um, if you read the old immigrants' guides, um, they're 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 really interesting. Um, in fact, Appleton Milo Harmon. The ancestor helped develop the um, the wheel that actually helped measure um, how many wheel rotations, and they were able to figure out per wheel rotation how far things were. And oh. so, yes, it was fascinating. And he talks about that in in, in his journal about they were able to. It was a gadget that they were that they uh, you know hooked onto the wheel and it measured rotations. Um, I love that ingenuity, you know? Oh my and, gosh. And I'm seeing that actually, and again, bringing it back to today, I've been so heartened by what I've been seeing. You know, people are, I mean, we're using now our technology, but people are using 3D printers, you know, distilleries mm -hmm. are telling other distilleries how to make hand sanitizer. I mean, exactly. you're still kind of seeing that resourcefulness yes. um, today, even without um, quite as much danger on the trail. Right, right. It's, yeah, they did. They definitely had different things to to overcome that way. But uh, but yeah, th that a whole idea of, of sending your children out and saying turn this way or turn that. And but the immigrants guide is really interesting. I have the uh, the original. I you know it's the original copy. Put it that way of the immigrants guide, and it was interesting to read. It's about they would put it's about this far, and you'll see. And it was like that the entire journey, the, the thousands of miles they went, it was, 
it, it was in in pieces like that. Well, you'll go about this far and you'll see a scrub, you know, some uh, a, a, a for, uh, a, some scrub oak on your right, and then you'll go about this far and you'll see one lone the lone tree. I mean. And the lone tree didn't last very long, obviously. Right, right. What if someone cuts down the tree? <laughs> I know. And they had. The, the, the lone tree had little sections of the take off, so it was, it was eventually like a lone stump. But it was like that through the, through the entire journey that, that they had their little landmarks. And, of course, there were big landmarks like Chimney Rock and things like that where they were unmistakable to and, – and those things really encouraged – you know the travelers because they they were unmistakable we're okay we've made it this far um but really i mean just we we think we've got it tough now i mean we can plug in an address on our phones and it'll take us there they really had to set out and and hope for the best and they and most of them made it i mean the majority of them made it which is crazy Yeah, you you didn't have people just going around in circles for that long. No, I mean someone either found them or they perished. But anyway, yes. um, <laughs> in, in the book, John, in the book, John Lowry, your mailman character, um, he he ref, referenced a book. Was that kind of the same thing that your ancestor? Yes. Wrote? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, my ancestor. He, wrote, did. He, he mentioned a guide or something, right? Um, well, they had guides. Yeah, they had whatever they're called. Yeah, they the for fi- They were sold just like it says in the book. They were sold for fifty cents. They were. It was called the Emigrants Guide West, and there were different versions, updated versions throughout the years as you know people continued to go and and improve upon the, the instructions. But they would buy these little guides and you know rely on them. Uh, and like I said, you could still you can still get those today. What they what they actually looked like and um, read through and, and that's what I did. I used that and then I used um, the the different pioneer records, lots of those, and of course my my uh, ancestors' record as well. And so I it was actually as far as the historical books I've written, there was something really simplistic about this one mm. because because there was so it was the day to day, you know, day by day incidents. It wasn't uh, World War Two where you had all of these, you know, there was so much, there was so so much going on. This was so simple in the fact that there was nothing but that day that they had to overcome, you know, and, and I think that that's a lot like what we're even dealing with now too, the idea of one day at a time, you yeah. know, th- th- everything's been simplified to, to what's going on in this day and in this moment and we just do the best we can right, right. here. And that's another parallel that I, I found with the book. Yeah, because it's so true. I mean, it's... It's been an adjustment for a lot of us and even mm-hmm. more so when, I mean, who knows when, by the time this podcast comes out, by the time your book comes out, um, we might be all back to normal or we might not. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so we've just downshifted and all of a sudden, all of a sudden I don't have soccer practices. I don't have tennis yes. practices. I don't have all these things. And it's just, what are we eating today? Are we going outside mm-hmm. today? Yes. Yeah. Am I getting any work done today? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I know. I haven't written in two weeks, and I and I'm grateful that I've been in that space where I just I just finished the one novel, sent right. it off to my publisher, and it was like everything hit the wall right after that, hit the fan right after that because, and now I haven't I haven't even begun to think about 
this next project I need to be doing because I have to focus in on what has to be done right now. Right. And that's um, my family right now. So, yeah. do you know what you're going to write next? I do. I we don't um, have to announce it, but well, <laughs> I just was wondering. <laughs> it's. I think people that that are my readers will be interested to know. But the first girl child is a Viking medieval. <laughs> It was, yes, that was, that came out. I love out. medieval. Oh my gosh, I love Vikings. <laughs> well, the first girl child came out last August and there was so much in this world that I created that um, I am doing a spinoff with another character that was in that book. So that is being, and it's tentatively called The Second Blind Son. So mm. um, that. So the first girl child, second blind son. And if we continue like this, there will be the third this and the fourth that. So that's the series, the first girl child series. But oh. that's going to be worked on next. Okay. I want to work, I, I want to definitely circle back to your other books. But before that, <laughs> I still have more questions about okay, The Lost Wonder. Because um, I'm telling that myself that. I'm like, don't get distracted. Finish this. Okay. Um, you... I have to know, though, because Naomi, your female protagonist, she is an artist. So we were talking yes. about all these people who are writing journals and stuff. She did basically drew her way across the yes. country. And unfortunately, we can't see them. One day, I, I think know. it'd be awesome. You can have a illustrated compendium of oh, that would be so Naomi's great. stuff. Uh, I, I'm not volunteering to do it. I, do not draw, but, <laughs> I can't um, do it either. <laughs> but I found that so interesting. And, and you, of course, you worked it through the story beautifully. Um, did you, when you f first made her an artist, did you know how that was going to impact the rest of the story or how did you get that idea um you know what I don't even remember where the ideas all originate you know it's always just a thin thread that becomes thicker and you start to wind it into something else and you 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 weave your story but I, I don't really know where that I can't remember where that first thought came from but I I always tend to have um, th those artistic um, talents something similar to that you know there's always something that they can do in fact somebody asked me one of my readers asked me don't you ever just want to you know one of one of your characters to just sit and play video games i mean can they <laughs> do they do they all have to be artists and they're not all artists but you know definitely you know sculpting or art or music you know it, those things are writing those things just make their way into my stories but i loved the idea of and, and you caught it the idea of her journaling through art because mm. you know it, it's something for I couldn't do I would have to use my words but that mm. idea was really fascinating to me and I liked the idea also my grandma used to have uh, the illustrated journals of uh, the journal of a Edwardian lady you know I don't know if you've seen those where they're they're the you know set in the 1850s kind of thing and it and they are the journals of, of different ladies english ladies but and th but they are all illustrated by the women they and I, she had several of them just beautiful works of art but they were just their journals their daily journal that they had drawn birds in the margins or mm. trees or plants or um so these beautiful little illustrated journals that were that they've now published but um that idea was really interesting to me of of drawing, you know, as she went along. And of course, you know, her drawing John and 
and being fascinated by the way he looked. That was all part of the idea of her being an artist and being really into the way that he looked because he looked he looked different than the you know the men in her family, the men she was used to. So um, right. I like that idea. Well, and it actually, it make it becomes a great skill that not many people yes. have out there and it actually saves her yes. life which you wouldn't yes. expect at the very beginning this girl is yeah. just drawing things and um it does come in it saves many people several times so yes um yeah so one of the things that i've always been fascinated with ever since i was a kid and you talked about it too in your book was that when people went across country um they would take things from their old lives um and then they would and then you would see piles of them discarded and it mm-hmm. must have been a huge thing because it's always mentioned in these books that there would be piles and and um and at the very beginning of the trip in your book they talk about oh these people they're not going to last they're going to you know throw things mm-hmm. off and and as you you leave just like Naomi leaves pictures behind other people leave little crumbs of themselves behind um, because it got too heavy because they said, why Mm -hmm. the heck did I think I needed grandma's dinette set? Um, And and so I've always thought about that and probably because I'm also a planner. Um, But did you think about what you would take with you on, on a trip like that? Like what would be too valuable for you to leave behind? I am, I am the non, I'm the most non hoarder woman you'll ever meet. I have a really hard time. I I am not sentimental about things at all. Um, And so, in fact, my mom used to tease me when I was when I was younger that I would clean out my closet and I would get rid of things that I wore that I needed. She says, why did you get rid of that? You know, and it was because that that cleaning out was very therapeutic to me, not being attached to things was comforting to me and so that's a hard one for me obviously i would want things that um that we needed but as far as having an attachment to two things i don't feel that kind of attachment and i and i never have um i would probably journal so you're like naomi i i am i I mean i think maybe that, that, that that's why she is the way she is because it's the way the way that i am i i just don't because i was feel very that kind of attachment that's so interesting because I was very impressed with the fact that she was very adaptable and she did not, I mean, other, she was, a, she was attached to people, um, of course, mm-hmm. and then maybe animals second. But other than that, she was like, <laughs> good to go. Um, she yeah. didn't eat a lot. And I was yeah. very and, impressed and with I that. And I have been that way. I, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I would at least be like, I would like a warm blanket. I would like, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not sleeping on the ground. <laughs> I mean, well, I would sure. I, I mean, to, I but <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. I I mean, I like my comfort comforts, but I I don't seem to be. I don't, you know, I'm not I'm not a collector of anything, um, and I don't hold on to things, and I don't I don't have a lot of attachment to to things. You know, some people are are really sentimental, and I don't tend to be, which is I've been teased about a few times. <laughs> So you write in several genres. Um, fan- so the ones you were just telling me about, Viking medieval, is that straight up historical or is that like historical fantasy or what is that? Uh, it feels more like fantasy in a in a Viking, in a real world setting. I, did, I mean, I didn't create a, a moon world or anything like that, but I do have um, 
I do have a love for fairy tales and for fantasy. And so the first girl child uh, has that kind of uh, Norwegian Viking, uh, Norse mythology feel to it. Um, and it, it, it's, it's fantasy, but not high fantasy. It's, it, it could almost be real. Um, and, and then I do have a couple others that I wrote, uh, the, the bird and the sword and the queen and the cure have that same medieval fantasy feel, but they are not connected to the first girl child. So I am, I do love fantasy. I've written, I've written in three genres, historical fantasy and contemporary. So do you read in all those genres as well? I have always read in everything. I, I've always read everything I can get my hands on. So I've never felt uh, any kind of intimidation towards writing in other genres. I just never, it's never bothered me. And I know that makes me different than, than other authors, but I have always just written whatever, you know, catches my fans, yeah. fancy. And it's a nice palate cleanser too. Uh, when I've done a really tough historical and I've had to research every word, every, every you know, item of clothing, every turn of the head, it really has been comforting to then say, okay, I'm going to write a fantasy now and make everything up, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> I love that's, that. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's been kind of where it first started was after my first historical, I think book number nine or 10, I thought I, I really need a palate cleanser. I need to do something that's totally different. And that's where the bird and the sword came from was fantasy a complete fairy tale, completely different than World War II. And I wrote it in a very short amount of time for me. Um, and and it's it was nominated for the Goodreads Book of the Year in fantasy. So it was it really was a kind of a knock out of the park um, type of thing. And I didn't have to do, you know, it was it was definitely a palate cleanser. So I've enjoyed it. Well, when you were a child or, or something, I mean, have you always written or was there a book that you read that you're like, oh, I can do that? Mm, I've always written. Uh, I yeah. haven't always written novels, but as far as writing being my thing, I think I started out. I, I mean, I was writing. That was that was just always the way I expressed myself. Poetry, song lyrics, um, essays, short stories. That was always my thing. And I, I had a feeling I could do it, but I didn't actually write my first novel until I was in my 30s, my first oh, wow. full-length novel. Mm -hmm. So was there a, a book that kind of was formative <laughs> in your youth or, or that changed your life or anything like that that comes to mind? You know, the one that comes to mind, and I don't know if it changed my life or just that I loved it so much and that I believed in the character so much and I identified with her, but... I'm definitely a huge Anne of Green Gables. Some people love it, some people don't, but I, I've i read that book so many times. Um, it was formative for me. Uh, and the writer, Ella Monk Montgomery, was formative for me because I just, she, she, I lost myself in that book and I lost myself over and over again in that book. Mm -hmm. And um, so for me, that was really formative, Anne of Green Gables. Yes, I agree. I, I can't even tell you how many times I read <laughs> at least the first four books of the series. Right. I'm not even sure I had access. I don't think I knew that there was more than four, you know, because back in the day mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. some of us grew up, there was not internet. I, I remember being as a kid, like so frustrated that I couldn't look up all the series. 
Yes. Like, like if I knew, if I saw a book and it had, you know, in the back, it would be like, um, sometimes the publishers would put all the books in the back, but, um, like I couldn't, I didn't know where to find them. Right. We shopped at used bookstores. So, you know, it was very much like I would read things out of order. Mm-hmm. Um, Life is very different these days. It is. sounds like the pioneer days, my well, childhood. <laughs> my childhood was really primitive compared to my my uh, my own children. We had a bookmobile that would come oh. to our little tiny town. It was, it, there were shelves in the back, and every two weeks it would stop at the church, which was really the only, there weren't any even businesses in this place where I grew up. Um, it was just a, some homes and a church, and that the bookmobile would stop at the church and we knew when it was going to be there and we would come and and exchange and they would only let you take so many and I would read through them way before the bookmobile came back so I was really limited yeah I was really limited to what you know whatever he he had on the shelves and my mom and dad actually were let me read anything they they didn't censor I mean I I probably read things I shouldn't but they they just weren't concerned with that Um, yeah I read everything and my mom and I shared books from, I read Jane Eyre when I was 12. I mean, I, that's pretty young for a 12, not to say there wasn't anything in there that you shouldn't read, but it was just, it was heavy for a 12 year old, but it's one of my favorite books. Basically, if anything had history in it, they let me read it because mm -hmm. they thought it was educational. Yes. But that meant like, (laughs) that meant, that included, um, uh historical romance exact um, barbara like carlin <laughs> um mmk agatha christie um mm-hmm. i got a good dose of agatha christie um i'm trying to think um yeah but anne of green gables yeah anything that mm-hmm. and i think that i i love history um but i really love historical fiction like i don't want to just Me read too. straight up history because <laughs> like, exactly okay yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, I, I, I can read a history book now and then if it's very well written, but, um, yeah. Oh, one yeah. that, um, I th- one that is also awesome. One of my favorite history books and I'll just, you've probably read it. Um, Oh, I can't think of it right now. Okay. You I'll lost edit the title. Song, but, um, <laughs> yes, I lost the title. I can see the cover in my head. Oh, Undaunted Courage. Did you, have you read that? One? I have not read that one. Okay, um, that's one of my favorite books. It's about the Lewis and Clark expedition. Oh wow! That so sounds... just just to show that I am legit loving <laughs> cross country pioneer stories for a very long time. Um, when people ask you for recommendations, is there a book or an author that you always recommend? Um, I I am a huge fan of Paulina Simons. The Bronze Horseman is one of my favorite books. Um, she has the, the, well, there's three books in that series. The first one is my favorite, but I think it's just because it's where I fell in love, but, eh, I'm trying to, th- I, I liked them all, but I loved, I love her and I love the, the world war two, um, from, from Leningrad. It's, it's a totally different take on world mm. war two that, that I had never known. I did not know about the Russian front at oh, all. Yeah. And so it was really, that was really interesting to me. And I just, and now I know her, um, not, not well, but we've exchanged. She's read my books, I've read hers, and that blew my mind. When Paulina Simon, somebody that I had read and loved, 
read one of my historicals, that blew me away. Um, that was it's a, gift. a moment for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I love her books. Uh, I like Susanna Kearsley. Um, Winter Sea was was wonderful. Um, and 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 then and then I'm really old school. Also, I, uh, the authors that I grew up reading, like Ellen Montgomery, and those are the people you know that have stayed with me. Even even Beverly Cleary and Judy Bloom, who mm. are from my youth. Those are those are authors that I that I cherish. So, you know, I'm old school. Oh, I have a, such a big smile on my face right now. Just because I'm the same. <laughs> <laughs> All those ones. Um, well, what's something you've read recently or that you'd like to recommend? Oh boy, um, I should have been ready for this question. No, it's what fine. Have I read. I I haven't read a whole lot recently. You've been recently. Re- you've been writing. I've been writing. I and I don't. Oh, no. I don't let myself read actually when I'm writing because okay. because I worry about um, you know I worry about borrowing unintentionally. I think that's something every author worries about that mm-hmm. that something will you know that will weave something into our story and, and of course there's no original plot. But that will that I'll, a phrase will stick with me, or I'll, I'll weave something in that doesn't belong to me, and that always makes me nervous. But I have not. I'm so sorry. That's I fine. have not read no, anything no. beyond no. beyond uh, research. I have not read anything beyond research in probably no. a year. Because uh, no, I've talked about this so many times um, with other authors, with myself, and so my my audience gets it. I mean, because mm-hmm. I'm the same way. Like I will. I kind of think of it as like um, when when I'm fallow. I don't know. Yeah, I know exactly what it means. Yes, a fallow field. Yeah, um, a fallow field. I'm not working the field, but I. I, That's the time when I read a ton, and I I will read like five, six, seven, eight books all at once, and then then I can't read anymore, or I get like antsy, and I'm like, oh, I can't, no, I can't find anything I want to read. I none of this makes sense. Like, I don't like this. I don't like that. And to me, that is the, I've, I'm learning. That is my clue that I have to start going picking up a pen because I'm yes. not going to be satisfied by another person's book until yes. I get something out of me. That's really so interesting. That's been my discovery. <laughs> that's so very cool. I totally get it. So yeah. I like stock up books, um, like kind of mentally. I, I told someone the other day, mm. I was like, I've, I, I have to kind of like read a bunch and then then it comes and then out be in a done. different way but because mm-hmm. and i'm i've i don't know i've always been that way too because just to keep my voice pure yes. i don't want to read someone else's voice because then i start to sound like them mm-hmm. i think yes i i agree probably no one else can hear it but i can so yes i i'm, yeah. I'm the same way but i do i used to read so much and and now, now I, I can't. I, I'm too much. The writer is, is the writer voice in my head, and the editor in my head is too strong. And I hate when I start reading. And I know so many authors that I hate when I start reading, and I immediately think, uh, I wouldn't have said it that way. Or mm, why are mm. you using that word? I, I don't, I don't actually want to read my friends' books, um, my my author friends, because I really don't want to think about their book. I want to just enjoy them as a person and I don't want to have any kind of judgment on their work. And I will because there's no way you can't turn it off when you start to, when you start to read. So I've struggled with that a lot since I've uh, really become begun to write, you know, full time. 
Yeah, I have a little bit of that as well. But that's when I know when I can sink into it and I'm not mm-hmm. editing it like yes. I did with Where the Lost Wander. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When I can just sink into it, that's when I know I've got a keeper. And that's You've when I get really excited. And mm-hmm. I send Amy Harmon an email and I say, I have to talk to you about this. <laughs> well, thank you so much because that is exactly the truth. When you forget your reading, you know yeah. you've, you've got a keeper. So. Yeah. Well, Ms. Harmon, um, are you ready for the lightning round of my women? I hope I will podcast? be lightning. I'm feeling really not lightning today. I tried to prepare, but you know, it's been a while since I prepared. So I hope I remember what's my hilarious. Answers. What's hilarious. And I know my listeners are laughing right now. I, I, I always say this is the lightning round. And then I end up not going. Very fast, so. This is the mom Let's version see. of the lightning round where I'm like, oh, that reminds me. I want to talk to you about something. <laughs> exactly. oh, okay. All right, let's go. Dark or milk chocolate? Um, Milk. Coffee or tea? Neither. Can't stand either of them. No, fair. When your (laughs) phone rings, do you answer it? No. (laughs) How do you normally waste time on the internet? Uh, Instagram. That's Instagram and Twitter. I don't like Facebook. That's interesting. Okay. Um... On your next vacation, will it be to the mountains or the beach whenever we have vacations again? <laughs> we, um, my, my kids and I are praying, praying we get to go to Edinburgh. We've been, we've been planning to go to Scotland, and we're praying that we get to go this summer. So, the Highlands. The Highlands. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Do you call it soda or pop? Uh, in Utah, we call it pop. Okay. And on a romance hero, would you prefer abs, forearms, or a chiseled jaw? A chiseled jaw. Are you more likely to buy a book with a, um, sorry. (laughs) Are you more likely to buy a book with a cover featuring abs or a beach scene? Beach scene. And very important and last question, Amy, and I'm really curious (laughs) to know your answer to this one. What are your feelings about turning to the last page of a book first? Terrible. Terrible. I have, <laughs> I have never done that. I think that is I think that is worth a beheading. No, I um definitely <laughs> definitely no, no, no. I know how much the authors do to get to that last page. So it's Okay. Yeah. See, that, I was figuring that would be your answer, but because I could hear you're a true book lover, you've been a book lover all your whole life. I yes. thought that might be your answer, but you also seem like you have that practical streak. Yeah. So I thought maybe she's someone who's like, if I'm not gonna like it, I'm not gonna read it. So I well, wasn't quite sure, but I, I, if I'm not gonna like it, I'm not gonna read it. Is 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 the way I am. <laughs> But I don't ever go to the last page to determine that. So, oh. yeah, I am definitely, I put things aside if, if it's not, if I, if I don't like it. I don't have any qualms about that. Time is too precious and there are too many good books right. to read. But. Amy, thank you so much for coming on this podcast and keeping, you know, being so determined and having the heart <laughs> of a pioneer to keep... <laughs> Uh, keep striving keep working so we could get oh, this podcast together thank you um, so I've, much it's been I've so enjoyed fun it so much and i'm serious everyone 
especially I, I just really think this is going to this book is going to strike a chord and a lot of people um, who especially after the time we've gone through a lot of authors are um, not writing things right now and it's no mm-hmm. fault of their own um, right. because it's just you know the struggles and um, I think this book is coming out at a good time to really touch people so thank you for talking to me about it thank you so much and I, I hope we can talk again I would love that. (laughs) Thank you for joining me today. If you love this conversation, please leave a review or consider supporting the podcast at the link in the show notes. For a list of books discussed in this episode and other fabulous content, sign up for my newsletter at womenwithbooks.com. And remember, keep reading. Keep reading.